Welcome or welcome back to CSM Toolbox Season 2. My next guest is Greg Kielstrom. Greg is a best-selling author, speaker, and entrepreneur. He has worked with some of the world's leading organizations on digital transformation initiatives, customer experience, and employee experience. He also hosts the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast. He'll be telling us more about it in his journey next. Join me and let's open that toolbox. You know, starting, you know, it's crawl, walk, run, and it's, you know, you've got to start somewhere. The thing that sometimes slips through the cracks is, you know, a startup founder has a great idea and they get a lot of interest around it and they forget to really check that with the customer and, and build with the customer in mind. Hi, Greg. How are you? Welcome to CSM Toolbox. Yeah, thanks. Looking forward to talking with you. Excellent. So, well, I was going to mention that as of today, at the time we're recording this episode, the Agile World podcast has 192 episodes and you're about to start season four in January. Congrats. Oh, thanks. Yeah, no, it's been a fun, uh, fun run so far. So looking forward to fourth year. So yeah, it'll be good. That's amazing. So, and just uh, kicking things off for our listeners, how would you describe customer experience? Customer experience is the customer's perception of every interaction that they have with a brand. So as opposed to thinking about one particular part in the customer journey or one their experience on a particular platform or channel or something like that, it really is the overall perception of of every touch point they have. And I think that's why it's so important for brands and, and companies to really understand that they're not just responsible for optimizing one or two things. It's, it's really, it could be an online experience. It could be an offline experience in a store. It could be customer service after the sale. It could be pre-sale. So all of these things really add up to that that customer experience. With different companies as well, it's depending how they implement their own customer experience to their to their users, to their customers? The answer to the question, you know, whose job is customer experience is an important one for any organization to, to wrap their heads around. And, you know, while there may be a, a chief customer officer or chief experience officer or or something like that in, in a department that reports up to them, they're, they're generally responsible for strategy and, and some implementation of, of things. But really, it's, it's everyone's job in the organization. I mean, I think forward thinking and customer centric organizations have a way to draw a line from every individual in that in that org, whether they're they feel like they're way behind the scenes writing code in a basement somewhere or they're on the front lines in a store. Or, or something like that, everyone should be able to trace their relationship to the customer. And, and quite often, it, it would be nearly impossible to find a role that doesn't have some kind of relationship to that customer experience. Yeah, and even to your point there as well about that mindset, and I think maybe it is more, I don't want to say trendy, but there is more emphasis perhaps now more than ever. And in your book, The Agile Workforce, you talk about a hybrid model where the best of all, uh, of all worlds can be combined for the benefit of individuals and companies alike uh, as well. And companies are looking now to either adapt or adopt an, a strategy that allows them to retain and hire the best talents. Where do you see the opportunities for leaders and companies on this? There's a couple different definitions of, of hybrid that are kind of kind of floating around there. So 
I, I think a lot of people are pandemic or ideally post pandemic soon enough. You know, we're looking at this hybrid work model of some people working in the office some or part of the time, and, you know, as opposed to fully, fully in the office and things like that. So that's one way of looking at hybrid. Another way of looking at hybrid is full time versus contract work. And so we've got a couple different dimensions going on. I, a lot of so a lot of attention is being put on the the where someone sits in in, in relation to their full time job. So in other words, are they in the office or are remote right now? The trend that had been growing for years and years is also this other hybrid definition, which is more and more people are going independent, more and more people, you know, gig economy, we've been hearing about a lot in as far as Uber drivers and Instacart delivery and, and things like that. Well, that kind of work has has become more and more prevalent in the knowledge working space as well. So there's more and more people that are saying, you know what, I don't, I don't need a full-time job. I can be a contractor and be independent. You have that combined with what we're talking about, the great resignation here, as far as people reconsidering, you know, do I, do I want this job at this current company or do I want a different full-time job? Well, the other option is, do I want a full-time job at all? And so, you know, tie to all, all you untangle all of that, I guess. And, and all of a sudden it's like it is with the, on the consumer side, you know, employees have more choice now. They can work in the office. They can work remote. They can work full-time. They can work contract that all all of that is now acceptable ways of working as opposed to you know five years ago remote work was maybe something that someone got special permission to do or maybe if they were the one person in some location for a for an international company and you know a small team or something like that now all of this hybridness is is acceptable and expected from employees and so you know i think that's that's the challenge right now for employers is, you know, how do you make that work? And then eventually, like, that's got to translate to maintaining and ideally improving the customer experience as well. So you have all these people in, in disparate places. They've got to all come together and, and create a great experience for the customer or else none of it is, is possible. Yeah, there is plenty of choice if it's either working from home, working from anywhere now, if they want to consider a cafe in somewhere exotic or just a, a far land so if their job allows them to do that then there is that maybe it is just the situation that we're all in this um, since last year uh, with the pandemic yeah definitely yeah and i think it's you know i think it's a great thing for the individuals i think it's a long time coming and I, I think a lot of companies have seen productivity has not declined even though you know they were worried about that happening in some cases i'm sure it has but i do think there's certain types of work that is better done in person or at least in, in close proximity. But I think there's a lot of things that don't have to be done in sitting in a cube somewhere and giving people the flexibility to be able to take care of kids, family, their own personal errands, whatever the case mm -hmm. may be, doesn't actually hurt the productivity of the company. It actually just helps the quality of life of the individual, which makes them want to stay longer and keeps them more engaged. And, you know, that that also translates to the customer as well. You know, when, when employees are happier and more engaged, they're more innovative, they solve problems better, and it translates to, you know, to the bottom line, which is, you know, it's, again, it's got to be, it can't just be about as much as I am on the side of the employees having a better experience, like it's got to translate to the bottom line or else it's not sustainable. So, you know, but I do think there's a path forward with that. Absolutely. I think we, we are all have seen that. And, and even as well, something that came to mind now is that there are 
quite a few companies coming up now. So they are actually these new ventures as well out of this. And even one of my earlier guests, um, he's the co-founder of Butter, which would be like a Zoom competitor and uh, definitely more fun. But he said that their concept it was basically born out of the pandemic, like building this platform that it's more engaging for workshops than just staring at a dark screen or a black screen like with Zoom. So yeah, there's all the all, all of these other opportunities as well that are happening. Yeah, absolutely. And I you know I think from another thing from the employer perspective is their talent pool just got a lot larger. I mean, you know, so you're if you're particularly if you're in a region where I mean two things. One is either there's not a lot of talent in the area. So low concentration of talent, but also high concentration of talent, but maybe the talent is expensive, you know, so if you're, if your talent pool is Silicon Valley, you know, you're going to pay Silicon Valley salaries and, <laughs> and there's the demand and the competition and all that stuff. All of a sudden you can start hiring people from wherever and get the same or sometimes even better, but you know, this at least the same quality of work and, and an engaged employee you know, everybody wins, right? That that person gets to live in Phoenix, Arizona and not have to, although I hear it's getting crowded there too, but, you know, they don't have to live in, in the Valley to get a job at a big tech company or, or something like that. And so, you know, I think that's, I think everybody wins um, in that scenario too. Yeah, definitely. And I think if anyone can avoid commutes and all of that stuff, uh, yeah, the better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Getting time back. Greg, in your, obviously in your vast experience advising organizations, where do you think a startup founder, when they are thinking about building that customer centric culture, where should they be? Where could they start? I think it starts with a lot of, I'm a big proponent of agile principles. And I think there's a lot of, you know, in the startup world, for instance, you know, there's a lot of talk about lean and agile. And, you know, from, from my perspective, I think it can get a bit dogmatic and, and almost religious as far as following some of these things. And I, you know, I'm, I'm not so strict in that sense, but I do, I do strongly believe in the principles of building minimum viable products and, and all, you know, starting, you know, it's crawl, walk, run and it's, you know, you've got to start somewhere. The thing that sometimes slips through the cracks is, you know, a startup founder has a great idea and they get a lot of interest around it and they forget to really check that with the customer and, and build with the customer in mind. You have to continue. If you're going to build a customer centric organization, you got to start from the beginning being customer centric. And so, you know, you've got to have that voice of the customer in, in everything that you do. It doesn't necessarily mean that they dictate what gets done, but it's got to be considered. I mean, I think, you know, there's the famous, some variation of some famous quote by Steve Jobs about, you know, if you ask customers what they want, you're not always going to get the most innovative end product. And I'm paraphrasing very liberally there, but you, you know, you know what I'm saying? At the same time, Apple uses a lot of customer research and a lot of focus groups to do a lot of things, you know, so it, it, you kind of, you hear one side of the story, but there's a lot of voice of the customer being worked into things but it's just understanding when to do that. And I think as a young start, and I don't mean age young, but I mean age of the company young, as a young startup founder or, or co-founders or something, you've got to just know that you don't know everything. You know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of insights and a lot of things that are going to come from your customers. So I, you know, I think it just, 
it, it's got to start from the beginning. And when that happens, everybody that joins has got to be bought into that idea of like, yes, we're smart people. We know a lot of stuff, but it's really the customer that's going to drive where this company goes. Absolutely. And even one of my questions that I ask to them more often is that what have they learned from customers feedback? That's like a constant that I that I ask them when I have them on the show. So yeah, yeah it, it resonates uh, what you're saying there. And one of the workshops that you deliver is about the center of experience framework. So could you please tell us a, a little bit more about this framework? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I wrote a book called The Center of Experience as well. And I so I, I based it off of the thoughts in there. And so the underlying premise is we've got this relationship between employee experience and customer experience. We kind of talked about that earlier. And, you know, while they're not 100%, one is not 100% dependent on the other, they're tightly aligned with one another. And so I use an umbrella term called brand experience to really just say, okay, brand, if, if customer experience is, is a customer's perception of, of all those things, as I was talking about earlier, employee experience is the same thing just from the employee perspective. Brand experience is everyone's impression of everything. You know, it's, it's sort of this because they're so tied together. And so what I, what I do in, in the book as well as in the, in the workshop is talk through not every organization is at the maturity level to, to do a full blown example of, of what I described, but using the center of excellence model in a, in an organization that's mature enough in both employee and, and customer experience. They can really employ the center of excellence model of having cross-disciplinary, different practice areas, different teams really align on this idea of brand experience and what that means across, you know, across different parts of the organization. And sure enough, you're going to find employee experience and customer experience are, are through lines to pretty much everything that ha I mean, you can't do work without employees and you can't have a company without customers. So it, it goes to reason that it, it kind of it follows through every part of the organization. And so you know, I, I detail how there's different components of that, everything from the brand and how we talk about it to the governance of, you know, how do we you know measure and improve processes to the measurement itself. And, you know, and so there's there's about eight different components of of the center of experience and, you know, just kind of walk through that. And, you know, some some organizations may find, you know what, we're really strong in, in two or three of these areas, but we really, we need to shore up some gaps in these others. And so it really kind of gives them an organization a, a holistic way of looking at this to make sure that they're not, they may say that experience is important, but unless they're really doing all of these things, it's not going to be holistically realized. Yeah. One of my guests as well had the example of an airline and maybe it might happen still, but you know, or any, any company, maybe it's not just applicable to airlines, but just the experience that we get once, if it's particularly with support or anything that will take any delay that for us, it's already that bumpy starts. It's, yeah. it's just that first impressions or that first experience that you get, especially if you're, they are trying to acquire you as a customer. And obviously if you get this experience or this, it send you through a different funnel or yeah. right away. I think for the majority of us, we will be already like, I'm not going to be working with this company or I'm not definitely not going to be recommending them moving forward when it comes to that same customer experience. Yeah, definitely. It, it makes sense uh, what you're saying. So, and where do you see just maybe shifting uh, topics slightly? Where do you see the future of work going? Yeah, you know, to, despite talking about the 
the growing trend of, of independent workers, so contractors and, and things like that, I, I don't think it's going to go completely independent. And so I, I do think this hybrid remote, you know, the, the remote work aspect, I, you know, that's here to stay. And it's only going to get, uh, I think it's going only, it may not con- continually grow. I think it might hit a ceiling and then, you know, we've kind of hit our, our limit of how much is going to happen, but it's, it's here to stay and it's going to be normalized and formalized, I guess, within organizations, as opposed to, I think some are still trying to figure out their, if this is a temporary thing or if things are going to go back to what some would say is normal. I don't, you know, I don't think that that exists anymore from, from my perspective, but yeah, the, you know, the other piece that is the, the independent contractors and those, you know, there, there needs to be better ways of allowing outside, whether it's contractors or entities, better ways of working and delivering value more quickly to organizations. And so, you know, I think there will always be the large consulting firms, the, you know, the Deloitte's, the Booz Allen's, all of those. But I think even with some large organizations, there are some questions of, you know, the, the price tag, the time to delivery and the time to value of, of all of those things. And that's, that's talking on a big scale, even on a small scale. How do you, I mean, I, I interviewed a founder on my show the other day about rapidly scaling customer service talent from, you know, from anywhere. They call it the human cloud, basically. And so, they use AI to rapidly get people up to speed on the, you know, knowledgeable about a particular product or service. We, I think we need better ways. Like that's a, that's a bit, we need better ways of, of rapidly getting people up to speed on being able to switch and, and serve, serve needs. Cause I think what's, what's happening as well is increased automation, which I think is a good, th- I don't think it's a, the robots are going to take our job and, 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 whatever the the terminator scenario maybe or something like that i'm an optimist when it comes to that but i do believe the statistics that you know 25 to 30 percent of most knowledge workers jobs are going to be automated within a few years i think that's an opportunity for humans to do what humans do best and machines to do what machines do best but we do have to figure out well okay what what are we doing are we cutting everybody's salary by 30 percent? i don't think so you know because they're going to quit and do their own thing we do need to figure out how we're going to be able to switch and have people just contribute more meaningfully. So I, I don't know if I have any solutions to tell you, but I've got, I've got a lot of challenges we need to solve in, in a relatively short period of time. And maybe to, to allude to your podcast as well, that it's just that being agile and how are we going to face challenges, opportunities? And yeah, I think definitely we'll see for the future take us. And just one last question that I, I like to ask all of my guests. So Greg, what's in your toolbox? What mobile or web app you cannot live without? And it can be work-related and not work-related. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say two things kind of run my life right now. So I use Trello to just organize my, <laughs> just what I need to do. And some of that is even personal stuff because I just, <laughs> it all kind of, kind of interblends. And I would say Calendly because I have six or seven different calendars that I need to coordinate and all that stuff. So I, I don't know what I'd do without either of those. They are popular for sure. And outside of work? As far as tools? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would say, I guess that I, I probably use the same. I mean, I, I use like my calendar to kind of run my, <laughs> run what I do day to day. So yeah, probably, probably same thing. I, I had a guest quite recently that he uses Notion. And he even plans, like, obviously for work, but outside of work, I think he planned his wedding. 
Yeah. And it's going to have a child in January. So everything baby related, yeah. everything on Notion. So, so yeah, no, that makes sense. So, well, it was great meeting you, hearing your insights. And if folks will want to reach out to you, Greg, obviously you're in social media, but what would be the best way for them to do that? Yeah. So two things. I'm really active on LinkedIn. So just search for Greg Kilstrom and I'd love to connect with you. Just mention that you heard me on the show and I'd, I'd love to connect and my website is a pretty easy, gregkillstrom.com. So you can just go there. That's where my blog podcast and, and some more information about my consulting and, and things like that is. Yeah, I'll make sure to link that in the show notes for sure. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much, Greg, and have a great rest of your day. Thanks. Thanks. You too. Esse podcast foi editado por Aerolitos, edição inteligente.